promise behind that when you pray. I want you to take your Bibles. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Billy, I apologize. I'm supposed to send my title to him early, like five minutes before. I didn't get it. It's pigs and poodles tonight. We're talking about pigs and poodles tonight. Pigs and poodles tonight. Let me make an announcement while you're doing this. Number one, next Wednesday night, we're going to put COVID in the rearview mirror. We're going to start eating here again next Wednesday night. So come on out and uh, have a big crowd for dinner. If you're online, come on out and eat with us. It's time for you to come on back. I've grown me a beard since I saw you six years ago, so you need to come on out. We need to visit. And uh, so that'll start next Wednesday night. Dinner cranks back up next Monday. Also, I need to give a two-week notice. Trustees are going to sell some land that the church owns and a home. Uh, we'll vote Wednesday night after next. need to give you a two-week notice for that. We own stuff all over the place. We've been blessed. We've got a little house we're going to sell, a piece of land across from the Hall River campus. And we're going to, we gave nothing almost for it. And this is a good time to multiply what you put into it. So we're going to sell that thing. We'll vote on it two weeks from tonight and unload it. And you, might, you could be the lucky recipient of a, a house that needs a lot of prayer. Yeah. You can call it the house of prayer. That's what it would be, house of prayer. That'd be good. Tonight we're going to talk about pigs and poodles. I just want to help you tonight. I want you to come out of here seeing yourself different. And, and you've got to say what you see right. Yeah. Uh, people have got this wrong. We're going to talk about this tonight. I want to teach you from God's Word tonight about your heart. Dear ones, it's all about the heart. Right. Uh, everybody wants to talk about behavior, attitude. It's all about, with God, it's all about the heart. Yeah. With me and you, it's all about the heart. Every issue goes back to the heart. Yeah. You live out of your heart. And uh, there's, there's a verse we're going to read. You'll know this verse. But it's the most misunderstood verse, and tonight we're going to open it and say, what is it in my heart here? 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says this. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if an in, in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Old things have passed away. All things have become, what's the word? New. New. The key word is new. All right, um, many churches, many preachers teach like this. If any man's in Christ, he needs to start making some things new. It says if you're in Christ, you are a new, new, new creation. You're you're not hoping old things will pass away. They have. They're gone. New things have come. And this is that tremendous verse. I, 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 I was born again. God touched my heart. I got a new heart. I was born again. If you haven't had a born again experience, you're not a child of God. You, have, you must, listen, singing's optional. Dancing's optional. Born again, you must be born again. You got to have a new heart. All right, I was born again. I became a new creature in Christ Jesus. What, what's new about me? Same old body I've had since 57. Same mannerisms. I got the same personality. It's been polished a lot. What did I get new? What is it that's new about this thing? And this, this is the difference between pigs and poodles. It was always about new. Do you believe that, that when we come to Jesus, we should get a new life? Every world religion calls for a new way of living. You know, fundamentalists want a new way of living. This crowd wants a new way of living. Jesus calls for a new life. Now, here's the difference. Religion says a new life comes by learning rules or commandments and practicing them which is behavior modification through self-effort. Yeah. They teach you there's what, what you can't cuss, you can't drink, you can't, so here's the rules. They give you the Ten Commandments. You've got to keep the Ten Commandments. They explain to you this is how you live now, and then you have to live that way. That's all world religions. That's what's passing for Christianity in America. That is not Jesus. Jesus said it's not about learning. You don't even need to know the commandments. Jesus said it's all about a new heart. Come on. Jesus said you need to be born again. In America, religion is trying to teach a pig to act like a poodle. <laughs> it ain't working. You know what a pig is. Rather common and outdoorsy types. You know what a poodle is. Now, if I make fun of poodles. People got on me and said, now, God made poodles. No, he didn't. They're a mutation of something he made earlier is what it is. A poodle is a snotty little thing that lives indoors and sits in parlors and got an attitude. 
You really think my king can make something with hair that looked like that? So much what we're trying to do is we're, we're fussing at pigs for acting like pigs. Let me make an announcement. Pigs roll in the mud. They love the mud. They're not polished. They'll snort at you. Pigs stink. I don't care. Listen, scrub them up. Put uh, what's Elizabeth Taylor, put that perfume on them. Put a bow in their hair. Set them in the parlor. Open the screen door see what happens. Pigs act like pigs because they're pigs. You can train all you want. You can put them through discipleship training. I don't care. Pigs act like a pig. Jesus said it's a new heart. The, the heart of every issue is the heart. With God, it's always about the why of what people do, what they do. It's always about the heart. This nation has gone nuts today. Saying the reason people do what they do is because of something somebody else did. Jesus said it's the heart. It's always about the heart. The issue is always about the heart. And uh, let me give you, let me talk to you about the human heart for a minute because I want you to understand. This will help you. A lot of people are confused about this. And people ask me questions about this. And I can tell, well, they just don't know the new birth. They, let me tell you the history of the human heart. I maybe believe you've got a heart. I'm not talking about the thing that pumps blood. But at the core of your being is something called a heart. And the Bible said the heart is so important. Proverbs 4.22, guard the heart because out of the heart come all the issues of life. Yeah. Our lives are dictated by our hearts. Not your head. That's why education will turn you into an educated idiot. It's the heart that has to be dealt with. Here's the history of the human heart. Years ago, something happened in every heart, and we all got heart disease. And the name of that disease was not, uh, not fluid buildup. It was original sin. Something happened years ago, and every human heart was infected with something called original sin. Now, that may be gangbanging, murdering, stealing, it might be snotty religion, but it all goes back to one word. And here's the word. Here's the infection of the human heart. Selfishness. Mm. Yeah. Selfishness. Yeah. That's what infected every human heart years ago. I want to ask you a question. What man has had more influence on you than any man, period? Some people say, oh, my dad. Some say a school teacher. What, what man, think about this. What man has influenced your life more than anybody else? Wrong answer. Let me show you the man that's influenced you more than anybody else. It's in Romans chapter 5. Turn with me to Romans chapter 5, and I'll show you the man that has more, had more influence on your life than anybody, including your dad, a coach, a friend. Here's the man that has influenced your life greatly and mine greatly. Romans chapter 5, verse, the first half of verse 19, Romans 5, 19 says this. Romans 5, 19, as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Yeah. Anybody ever sinned? Mm. Guess who gave you that? Mm. I, there was, I was born in sin. The Bible, see, our culture teaches that babies are born perfect and we screw them up. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches every human being is born in sin, that we have a sin. Now, it doesn't mean babies come out smoke, smoking cigars and drinking whiskey and playing cards means they're born selfish, which leads to. Adam did something to you. Adam's influenced your life more than anybody else, probably up to now. Because what Adam do to you? He made you something. What did he make you? A sinner. Listen to me. You're not a sinner because you sin. Pigs wallow in the mud because they're pigs. I sinned because I was born in sin. I have a sin nature inside of me. Thank you, Adam. My great, 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 all the way back grandpa Adam gave me that nature. He, he socked it to me. Read verse 12 of Romans 5. We'll just skeleton it. Therefore, just as through one man, sin entered the world and death through sin and death spread to all. Who brought this mess in this earth? One man's disobedience boogered the whole thing up. Now, everybody's got heart disease. You cannot train a pig to act like a poodle. That's what we're trying to do today. What is the cure for heart disease? See, religion, again, says discipline and, and you know, behavior and, and, and you know, scream at them and preach at them and tell them they're going to hell. And, and that is not the Bible cure for what bothers every person. Let me show you the cure. Let me show you the other man that should have an influence on your life. Romans 5, 19 again. As by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners... Also, by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Amen. 
Is anybody here a believer? All right, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If I were to walk up to you and just ask you, um, are you a righteous man? Unless you immediately say yes. If you struggle with that, you're still struggling with the simple truth. Adam made me a sinner by nature, by his disobedience. One man's righteous act at the cross made me righteous. Righteousness is, in American religion, righteousness is something you achieve by behaving better. You are cursed. Cursed is every man under the law that tries to obtain righteousness through the law. Self-effort will beat the fire out of you. Who made me a sinner? Who made me righteous? Jesus. Adam has influenced my life tremendously. Jesus has influenced it greater. Just because I've been born again a long time. If you just got born again yesterday, Adam's probably still got more time in you than anybody else. Do you understand this basic teaching? This is, if people get this down in their hearts, they'll quit beating themselves up. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. You're not saved at all then. I am a righteous man. You say, you arrogant thing. Read the Bible. It's not arrogance, it's called faith. Amen. Let me make an announcement. It is not smart to argue with God. Let the man have his way. Believe what Jesus said he's done. You had no trouble believing that Adam made you a jackass. Adam made you a sinner at heart level. What did Jesus do when you invited him into your heart? He made you a righteous man at heart level, a righteous woman at heart level. It's called the new birth. You don't have to have a new birth. Quit trying to fix the old man up. Kill the sucker. You can't fix him. Bury him with Christ in baptism. You don't, need a, you don't need a changed life. You need a new life. God don't do changed stuff. He does new stuff. That's why we need a new birth. Now, question. Have you ever thought about this? Why do people act like they do? Has anybody ever thought about that? You're not thinking about that in this nation these days. Why do people do what they do? Have you ever said this before? I've said this many a time. I don't know why I do this. I've said this before. I don't want to do this. Sound like Romans 7 to you? Why do people do what they do? Let's look at the famous passage on why people do what they do. I love this passage. Jesus just takes life down to the simplicity. Luke chapter 6 is that wonderful passage where Jesus explains why people act like they act. You know, where people are wondering today, why so much counseling doesn't work? You don't need counseling. Now, there's times for counseling. We have a wonderful counselor here. But she leads you to the truth of God. Most counseling in America fails miserably because you don't need a counselor, you need a doctor. You need a surgeon. You need a heart surgeon. All the counseling in the world, counsel the pig all you want to, he ain't gonna act like a poodle. Luke 6, 43, this is that wonderful passage. Luke 6, 43 says this. A good tree, I want you to look at these words, 6, 43. A good tree does not bear bad fruit nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. You think he's talking about apples, peaches, and plums. Tell me the tree, the human heart. A good human heart does not bear bad fruit. You say, Brother Brown, I'm born again, but I bear bad fruit. Read it again. Good trees do not bear bad fruit. And let me tell you about that pig you're trying to turn into a poodle. Bad trees not going to bear good fruit. You can forget it. It's just not going to happen. What's he talking about here? Verse 44, every tree is known by its fruit. Is that cool? Let's let him have his way. All right, every tree is known by its fruit. Men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a briar bush. Would you agree? Do you notice he mentioned four things? Are they in two categories? Would you put the figs and the grapes over here? Briars and the thorns over there? Let me make an announcement. Figs, grapes, good. Briar's thorns, pain and bad. Can you see what he's talking about here? All right, and then verse 46 caps it. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. What's the issue always about? It's not about trying to remember to be nice to your mother. It's not about trying not to cuss. It is about the heart. Tell me the only way for good to come forth. Where's it got to come from? Good can only come out of what? A good heart. A good heart. Let's finish that. But an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his what? I thought it was his upbringing. I thought it was his education. What does the Bible say? 
evil is coming out of the heart. An evil man out of the treasure, evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. <clears throat> Pretty simple, isn't it? What is the fountain or the root of everything? Everything everybody does, why, does, why do they do it? <laughs> they, they don't do it because of circumstance. They don't do it because of something you did to them. They do it because of what is in their heart. All right. If you squeeze an orange, what do you want? What's coming out of it? No. I knew he was going to say orange juice. Whatever's in there is coming out of it. What if somebody put pickle juice in there? When you squeeze somebody, it's not because you squeezed them. I don't create orange juice by squeezing that orange. I just showed you what was in there. If somebody cut you off in traffic, they didn't do that to you. They just showed what was in there. Pig driving. Then when Jesus makes it so, what did he say? Everything's about the heart. And what did he say? If you want to change life and you want to do good, live good, quit trying to do good. You need a new heart. Listen, a good heart is going to bring forth good things. I want people in churches for you. All, I've been preaching 40 years. They keep telling me, I know, Brother Brian, I know they waller in the mud. I know they stink. I know they'll bite you, but take my word for it. They are poodles. I don't believe it. You'll know them by their fruits. You'll, you'll know them by their fruit. All right, I want you to notice something here. What did he put as the two categories of the evil that come out of human hearts? He called them what? Briars and thorns. What do you know about briars and thorns? They will hurt you, they will wound you, and they will leave you bleeding. Yeah. People that hurt other people, I don't give a flying rip if you're a minister. If you wound people and hurt people and you've got a bloody trail behind you, I don't care what your collar is. Amen. You're not born again. The, out of your evil heart is coming evil. I don't care if it's religious evil. Listen, it don't matter if you're a gangbanger and the evil that's coming out of you is stealing and murdering, or if you're a minister and the evil coming out of you is prejudice and hatred and violence. It don't matter. Doc, evil's evil. That's right. You say, well, how do you know what evil is? Does it hurt you? Yeah, exactly. Briars and thorns hurt you. Are you with me? This is not hard. All right, look on the good side. What is the good fruit that comes out? He mentions grapes and uh, figs. All right, now we're not, uh, you know we're not talking about real figs here. What, why did he pick that? Why is, it, why is it that when, my, when I get a new heart and Jesus flows out of me, why do you say fig boy? <laughs> Great man. What are the four things those two fruits do for you? There is a sweetness about them. Number two, they refresh you. They don't hurt you. Has anybody here been cut bad by a grape? You, you ever bled because you picked up a fig? They refresh you. There's a refreshing value in there. Number three, they are nutrition. They nurture you. Listen, figs and grapes are some of the healthiest things you can eat. They've got nutritional value in them. What else have they got? They're healers. They're healers. You just remind me of number five. They're healers that reverse all that stuff that's in grapes. They'll heal disease that's in you. Listen, people that walk with Jesus, good coming out of their heart, they're healers. They refresh people. There's a sweetness about them. They, they, uh, they heal people. And Jennifer just reminded me of number five right there. You let that grape sit around long enough, it'll make you glad. <laughs> make you some grape juice. Leave it in the fridge here about six months. Can you see the, different, the problem here? What is the cure for heart disease? Every human being has got heart disease. You say, well, my, my aunt was one of the nicest ladies that ever lived. She wasn't a Christian. There you go, quantifying goodness. Then it's all about the heart. What is the cure for every problem there is for heart disease? Again, it's religious behavior. It's just change your, quit cussing. Quit. You don't need to tell anybody to quit anything. Get born again. Get a new heart. Now, all right, listen to me. Again, we're training a pig that like poop. You don't think that's in the Bible, do you? Turn to 2 Peter. Why do them people act like they do after they got baptized? Well, here's the answer right here. This is 2 Peter 2 is talking about why people go to church or, you know, they were baptized as infants or maybe they were ministers, but they, their lives are just painful. It, they just, it don't work for them. All right, watch what the Bible says. You know, they've, they've known the knowledge of God. Something good happened. They have went to church. They believe, yada, yada. You say, well, how, how can that be? Let me tell you what the problem was. 
There was never a core heart change. Some of the most religious people I know have got some of the vilest hearts. And the answer is in verse 22, it says this, but it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog has returned to his own vomit and a pig having washed to her wallowing in the mud. What I tell you? What did it say right there? Wash them up all you want to. They'll go right back to the mud eventually. You know why a pig goes back to the mud after it's been washed? Somebody tell me. It is a pig. Wash it all you want to, but that, the issue is not, you know, pert and head and shoulders and etiquette training and, and fancy clothes. The issue is the heart. And if you don't deal with that heart, that pig is going to run for the mud every single time, period. End of discussion. What is the only way for a pig to become snotty and not want to touch dirt and stay in the living room and strut around with an attitude? What's the only way to do it? You can send it, you can get it a PhD in poodleology. All the training in the world ain't going to help a bit. You got to get Dr. DeBakey to come in and do what? Heart surgery. Now you take a pig's heart out and you put a poodle heart in that pig. You got one snotty, large, smelly animal then who is going to stay in your house and demand to be catered to. Why do we keep, preachers I know today are worn slap out trying to get unbelievers to believe and act like believers. Then the answer is always the human heart. It's always the heart. And uh, the, the substitution message is never going to work. I want you to turn to James, John chapter 3. Here's what Jesus says about every problem on the planet. Every problem on the planet. It's a religious man who'd been well-educated. His name was Nicodemus. And he came to Jesus. He wanted to start some religious rigmarole. And Jesus cut to the chase and he said, you need a new birth. You must be born again. You need a new birth. And uh, I, I just think it's humorous. I want you to watch this interchange between... Now remember, this is a minister. Uh, a well-trained minister. And he starts talking to him. And uh, finally Jesus answered verse 3. John 3, 3 said, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you are born again, it's not going to work, Doc. You can't experience the kingdom of God. You, now, that doesn't mean go to heaven. It means you're not going to have kingdom life and a changed life unless you're born again. He said, I, I can teach you all about it, but something's got to happen on the inside. If nothing happens on the inside. It's not going to work. So Nicodemus, I love this guy. You talk about lost. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's 50? Do, do I like, need to get back inside my mama and come out again? Is he lost as a ball in high weeds or what? You can't, I mean, what did it sound like there? Bless his dear heart. Jesus said, we're thinking on two different planes here, Bubba. Jesus said, most assuredly, verse 5, unless one is born of water, which is a woman, and the Spirit. You've got to be born of the Spirit. You can't experience kingdom life. It, it just don't work. And uh, Billy Graham, I think Billy Graham's a godly man. Billy Graham said, the greatest evangelistic field in America is the American church pew. He said, our churches are full of people that have learned some deeds, but they've never had a heart transplant at heart level. They've never been born again. And Jesus said, you've got to be born of a woman, and you've got to be born of a spirit. It just don't, it don't even work without that. And you must be born again by the Spirit of God. That great verse, verse 7. Do, do not marvel that I said you must be born again. Why is everybody, why is everybody in America just marveling at this phrase called born again? It is the only hope of humanity to be born again. And America is flooded with nonsense about, I was baptized as a baby. Congratulations, you got a wet head. I'm not being unkind. I didn't. A wet head is not a new heart. We have to have new hearts. This is the simple cure for all of our problems is a new heart. And at the core of our beings, we've got to have a new heart. That's why Jesus said in verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. I don't care if it's religious flesh, educated flesh. If it's of human origin, it's never going to work. That which is born of the Spirit is new. It must be born of the Spirit to be new. Can you understand that? If you understand this, you understand what's wrong in our nation. And you understand what's wrong in our churches. And you understand why you can scream and plead all you want to. But that pig's going to look at you like you a new, like you a new gate. He ain't going to get it until something happens right here. 
And Jesus said, You've got, you can't fix the old man. So you've got to have a spirit birth. All right, what exactly does it mean? There's got to be a place in your life. I heard a missionary speak one time, and it was, she, what she said was wrong. She's, you know, she was, they were giving testimonies. She said, well, I've just always been a Christian. I'm sorry. Adam made you a sinner. There had to come a place in your life where you had something happen between you and Jesus. You had to have a spiritual birth somewhere. You've got to be able to point to, I don't care if you can't name the day. I can name the day. Some people can't, but they, they know, they, were, they remember that they met Jesus right there. There has to be an interaction between you and Jesus. You must be born again. That has to happen. All right. Now, when people come to Christ, pray to receive Christ, whatever you want to call it, what actually happens in that moment? It's more than just I signed up. Something happens right here. Now, listen to me. Listen to me. Here's where we get in trouble. I had a tremendous emotional experience. The moment I was born again, of course, I was so screwed up. I had a, it was like an explosion the moment I got born again there over by that school bus bumper in the woods in, West, in Virginia up at Carr Lake. Emotional, tremendous experience. But that doesn't prove anything. Billy Graham was a youth pastor. Um, What's the name of the church? He was at a church in Charlotte. He was a youth. He was a good boy, raised in a Christian home. Youth pastor. I can't remember the name of the church. He was a youth pastor at a Presbyterian church in Charlotte. He went to a tent revival one night. A guy named Mordecai Ham had set up his tent in Charlotte. And Billy Graham went to that tent revival. He took his youth to a tent revival. Billy Graham sat there and he realized, I'm a good boy. I teach the Bible, but I don't have what he's talking about. Billy Graham said, I got up that night, I walked down to the front, and I asked Jesus to save my soul. And Billy Graham said this, I didn't feel a thing, nothing. But he said, that night I became a new creature. You don't have to feel something for God to tell the truth. But he had an experience that night in that tent in Charlotte, the Mordecai Ham tent revival there, and it changed him. And I believe Billy Graham's truly, I believe his, his life bore the fruit of a born-again man. Say the least. I believe the Spirit of God came in. And the, that's why we've got to be... Now, let me tell you what exactly happens at the moment I, I call Jesus. That moment for me, I was at Car Lake there in Virginia. Other people, you could be sitting in the auditorium and pray a prayer with me. Your mama might have prayed with you, whatever it was. But what exactly happened in here the moment you called on Jesus? Let's look at it. It's Ezekiel 36. This is the greatest picture in the Bible of the new birth. Ezekiel 36 that's why I think it's, it's just wrong for people to let children join a church and sprinkle water on a baby and let them join a church. They need to be born again because the rest of their lives they think, well, I'm a member of the church. I was baptized. That don't mean a thing. Got to be born again. And so, now, we baptize children here, but before we ever baptize a child here, Allison sits down with them and makes sure that they've had an encounter with Jesus into their hearts. Now, I've had people, to show you how goofy we are, I've had people say to me, well, do you really think they understand what they're doing? What a dumb question. I don't understand what happened yet. If you understand it, you're right back in that religious junk. The issue is not, can you explain it? The issue is, did something happen? Did you have an encounter with Jesus by faith? Did you invite the Son of God into your heart? Did He come in? At Ezekiel 36, this is the new birth. Here's what happens the moment you call on Jesus. Verse 26 says that, let's read verse 25 too. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and all your idols. Stick that in your religious pipe and smoke it. What does church teach? You got to quit. You got to quit. What does that say right there? I will do it. I will cleanse you. I'll take it out. Here's how he does it. Next verse. Verse 26. I will give you a what? A new heart. What was the problem to start with? Why can you not dress up the old heart? It, you just can't do it. I will give you a new heart. And I'll put a new spirit within you. I'll take the hard heart or the heart of stone or the selfish heart out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh or a tender heart. That's the new birth right there. Ezekiel 36, 26 is the new birth where God said, my spirit's going to come inside of you and you're going to have a new heart by a new spirit. All right, somebody tell me something. If I were to ask, and I've asked people all my life, I've been a preacher four different churches, doing it 40 years, and I love to ask people who get to talk to, uh, are you a believer? And I'll, a lot of times when I was a country preacher, I'd ask widow women, was your husband a believer? I don't think anybody's ever given me the right answer. You know what they always tell me? 
he was a member of the church 55 years. I don't mean squat. Uh, you know, he, he was faithful. He was a deacon. Uh, God knows that. I, I want to say, look, God let anybody in, dude. You need to get saved. People do not, they just don't say he had a new, he was born again. Then what did he say right there? I'll give you a new heart. Put a new spirit within you. All right, let me ask you a question. See if you know the Bible this well. What is the only evidence that you're a Christian from the Bible? You know, people say, I go to church. I'm, I'm a good person. I've never hurt anybody. Neither has my, mama's, my wife's basset hound. What's the only biblical evidence that you're, that you're a believer? What is it? By this we know that we are His because He has given us His Spirit inside of us. Amen. The Holy Spirit on the inside is the only proof in the Bible. You can't, if you can find it, show it to me. The only way you know that you're a child of God is there's something inside of me. There's a new spirit in here. Romans chapter 8 says this. The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are sons and daughters of God. Let me tell you one of the great mistakes people made. People will come to preachers or friends or they'll say, I just don't know if I'm a Christian or not. And they'll try to talk them into it. That's not your business. You're fixing to send them to hell. That's not your business. I've had people say, Brother Brown, sometimes I wonder if, even, if I'm even a Christian. I'm not going to try and talk them in. I might be the best people in the church. You know what the answer is? You go get with God and let Him tell you whether you are or not. Right. I'm going to say it again. His Spirit bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. I am born, I'm a born again man. I'm a child of the living God. I don't deserve it. I'm not good, but I am a son of the living God. Yeah. You know, I know it right here. His spirit bears witness within me, crying out, Abba, Father. I just know it from the spirit. And uh, that's why you should never try to convince anybody they're Christians. Tell them, you go get with God, let him show you. And his spirit will bear witness. Let me tell you something. If the spirit of God ever puts it in your heart and shows you, nobody can ever take it away from you then. Amen. Now, when the devil says, how could somebody like you be a Christian? Says, that's the kindness of God. Yes, I make mistakes, but his spirit bears witness. Um, the scripture teaches us clearly in Ephesians chapter 2 that you trusted in Him and He gave you the witness of the Spirit in your heart as a down payment on eternal salvation. Mm. Only the Spirit of God is the witness within us. We've we got to get back to the Holy Spirit in our churches Amen. Come on. and in this lane and get out of this committee decided to do it this way or preacher trying to talk me into it or what, whatever, some nonsense like. Now, all right, if you're born again, do you have a new heart? Ezekiel 36, 26. If you're born again, do you have a new heart? Tell me what comes out of a new heart. Luke 6, 34. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. Amen. You don't need to remember to bring forth good things. You just need to get born again. You don't have to remind a poodle to be snotty. They just are. You don't have to remind people to be born again to act like Jesus. He's in there. All the coaxing in the world is not going to make up for the Holy Spirit of God inside of the hearts of humanity. All right, now let me tell you where we get in trouble here. My fundamentalist friends, you know, why you know what fundamentalist means, don't you? No fun, all damn, and a lot of them are mental. That's why they call them fundamentalists. A lot of preachers preach that your heart is wicked. And they love, they love to quote one of their favorite verses, Jeremiah 17, 9, heart is desperately wicked. Anybody heard that? Turn and look at that with me, Jeremiah 17. And they beat God's people up with this now, we got a contradiction in the Bible here. So my fundamentalist friends think. You, you look at it and you tell me if we have a contradiction. They love to quote Jeremiah. They quote it all the time. I read it all the time in Jeremiah 17, 9. That's why you can't let them teenagers at that Christian high school, you can't let them be within 50 feet of each other. You know how corrupt their hearts are. Let me tell you something. Put naked women all around me ain't going to bother me none. I said, well, you, you're, it's because you're middle-aged. I'm not, how many 130-year-old people do you know? I'm not middle-aged, or way past that. <laughs> Old age is not the cure for sin. That's right. That's right. This mess of trying to bite your tongue and behave and do better, quit. You are not going to make a pig into a poodle. I'm sitting at the Christian basketball, Christian high school, watching a basketball game. Some of my girls from here played for the Christian team, and I'm sitting beside one of my fundamentalist Baptist preachers, and he said, that's disgraceful that them girls get to dress like that. He said, that, he said, that caused me to lust. I said, Doc, the problem ain't with her, honey, it's with your heart. 
The cure is not for her to play basketball in a bathrobe. Talk to me. The cure is for you to get born again, preacher friend. He said, why do you talk to him like that? He needs some help. And then I quoted to him the Bible. I said, to the pure, all things are pure. But to the, un, to the defiled, everything is defiling. The problem ain't out there on that floor. It's right here in your heart. Get a new heart. And we'd all get some relief from you. My God, have mercy. Do you sense that I about had all the religion I can take? I need Jesus to come on the scene and take over. Jeremiah 17, 9. This is that favorite verse of some folks. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. They love to say it, desperately wicked. Who can know it? Well, wait a minute. I thought I had a new heart and a new spirit that was tender. Well, do I, do I have a wicked heart? This desperately, I love the word desperate. Uh, I think it's translated desperately in there. It's not the best translation. It, the Hebrew word is better translated incurable. Why are you trying to cure it? It's incurable. It's desperately wicked. Is he talking about my heart in there? I got preacher friends who believe that's talking about their heart. Let me tell you something. That was my heart at one time. That is not my heart anymore. I ran into a man who doesn't gave, he didn't give me a set of rules and fuss at me. He did heart surgery on me. He took out the old heart. He put in a new heart. That is not my heart anymore. Are you born again? That is not your heart. You do not have a heart that is desperately wicked and who can know it. I know my heart. I'll explain to you what it is. And th this is, but let me explain something to you. If you don't know the truth, tell me what truth does. The truth will set you free. If you don't know the truth and you hear that or you hear this crap in your head from the devil or you hear some preacher carrying on, be it unto you according to your faith. If you think that you're a wretched, miserable, dirty old sinner trying to work your way to heaven, you're going to fight this stuff all your life. Yeah, sure. You never become new and free by trying. You get there by believing. Amen. Was, believers don't try. Believers believe. That's why they call them. Believers. Now we're cooking with propane. <laughs> my, my goodness. All right, let's, let's just go for a minute. What if? What if? What if Jesus Christ came to me and worked a miracle right here? What if I was born again? What if I had a brand new heart, like this book says? What would happen then? What would happen then? A good man would bring good treasures out of his good heart. And where, where are these treasures primarily brought out from? We'll look at it again. Where's the treasure talking about primarily? What's the last thing he said in that verse? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Treasure comes out of your mouth. Good stuff comes out of there. And let me tell you what you need to do. You need to start, if you're born again, you need to start celebrating your new heart and you need to start saying, I am a new creature. Amen. I am in Christ. I'm a new creation. I got a new heart and I live a new life by the goodness of God. Amen. I'm not trying to do anything. I'm trusting Jesus. Where did we get this stuff that we trust Jesus to save us and then we got to live it in our own strength? Where'd that come from? I love Colossians 2.10. Well, Colossians 2.9 says this, in Christ is all the fullness of God. Listen to verse 10. And you are complete in Him. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, therefore walk ye in Him. How'd you come to Jesus? Did you tell Jesus, if you'll give me a second chance, I'll change myself. Guess what we call people like that? Lost. I don't care if you're a deacon. You know how, I you know how as you therefore trusted Christ, you know how I trusted Christ? I came to Him and I said, I was on my knees. I said, I am a sinner. And I am so sorry for what I've done for you, to you. And I ask you to forgive me and help me. I didn't offer to help one bit. Yeah. Amen. And I was born again by the Spirit of God. Yeah. Listen to what he said. As you receive Christ, won't you live that way? Why don't you give up every morning and say, I have nothing of myself to bring. Yeah. I am trusting you, Jesus, for everything. Come on. I'm trusting the Spirit of God inside of me. All right, we have to do a little problem here that people struggle with. They say, well, I, I hear what you're saying. You need to celebrate your new heart. I'll turn with me to Acts chapter 15. Let me clarify this a little further. What happened to you the moment you invited Jesus into your life? He said, Brother Brown, I don't, I don't feel... <clears throat> All right, let me address that. So? Friend, God doesn't respond to feelings. He responds to faith in His promise. Call on me. I will answer you whether you feel it or not. 
Listen to this one. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You call in humility and you ask him, I want to follow Jesus. I want a new heart. He'll do what he said he'd do. You might have a very emotional experience like I did. The Holy Ghost very powerful. Or you might be like Billy Graham and feel nothing. You say, well, why does he do that? Now, you've got to say that for him when you see him. We don't have to be able to answer everything to believe what he says. Let me show you what the Bible says about what happened to you. Acts chapter 15. Uh, let's look in verse 7. Simon is saying, look, guys, God wants everybody saved. Verse 7, when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, men and brethren... You know, a good while ago, God chose among us that by my mouth, the Gentiles would hear the word of God and do what? The gospel and believe. Now, see, they're mad. They thought Jesus only came for the Jews. Simon's out preaching to these lowlifes and they're getting saved. They call him and say, what, what are you doing? Salvation's only for the Jews. He said, I'm sorry. God told me to go tell it to everybody. And they're getting saved. How many of you glad it's not just Jews? All right. Look at verse eight. God who knows the heart. Tell me what God always deals with. It's always about the heart. God who knows the heart acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. You put your faith in Jesus, what did the Bible say right there? God gave you his spirit. And what did he do when the spirit came in? He purified your heart. He changed your heart. He gave you, listen, to be born again is to get a new heart. And you can try all you want to, but until we get some new hearts, you say, well, Brother Ryan, what about these religious people that they're just mean as hell? You, all right. Turn back a couple of pages to Acts chapter 15. Excuse me, Acts chapter 7. Here's what the Bible says about religious people who don't have new hearts. One day a guy named uh, Stephen, he's, he's fixing to get killed for preaching Jesus. And all the ministers gather around him and they are mad at him. And, they, and he's trying to explain to them how that you don't need to be religious. You need to have an experience with Jesus. You need to meet Jesus. You need to be born again. He's trying to explain it to them. And finally, he gets fed up with them. And he busts out. I want you to look what he said. Now, remember, this is the Bible speaking too. Finally, he says to them in verse 51, Acts 7, 51. Now, these are the ministers. Watch what the Bible said about them. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears... You always fight the Holy Ghost, and your daddy did it too, just as your fathers did. What do he say is wrong with religious people? What does it mean, uncircumcised in heart? You've got religious practices, but you've never been born again at heart level. Your heart has never been touched by God. And he said, you always resist the Holy Spirit. What's the Holy Spirit want to do? Make you act weird. He wants to touch your heart. He wants to change your heart from the inside out. And, and dear ones, this thing, of if it's hard being a Christian, you got the wrong end of the stick. Mm, so true. Now, misunderstood, talked ugly about, welcome to the company of Jesus. But it was, I didn't, guess how hard I had to work to be born the first time? <laughs> Betty did it all at the Catholic hospital in Charlotte. Matter of fact, I didn't even ask to be born. I remember telling her that one time, she said, well, you can get killed, what you're fixing to do. I had to put out no effort to be born the first time. I didn't put out any effort to be born the second time. Amen, that's good. Betty did it all the first time. Jesus did it all the second time. Dear ones, we have got to get back to New Testament faith and get off this grunting and groaning and the word trying should never be there. All right. Okay, Brother Brown, I hear what you're saying. Let me answer one question here. Say, Brother Brown, I, I've been born again. God's real to me. I, I got the witness of the Spirit. Where does this junk in me come from then? Oh, y'all don't ever have junk? See, if, if I'm a new creature, didn't the Bible say if any man's in Christ, he's a new creation? Aren't the old things passed away? Well, where's this crap inside of me come from? Great question. Let's answer that. That's Romans chapter 7 where he explains. This is your biography, Romans chapter 7. See if you can find yourself right here. Romans chapter 7 answers where this junk comes from. If I'm born again, has anybody ever struggled as a Christian? With a bad attitude, want to give somebody the finger, a critical spirit, yada, 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 lust, hatred, anger self-centeredness, laziness. I'm not going through the list. 
You ever struggle with anything as a believer? You say, what happened to my new heart? Oh, it's there. Watch this. Romans chapter 7 explains the struggle. Romans chapter 7, uh, let's put in about verse 14. We know the law is spiritual. I'm carnal. Verse 15, see if this sounds like right. What I am doing, I do not understand. Can anybody say, there have been times I didn't understand myself. All right? What I want to do, I do not practice. What I hate, that I do. You ever been there? This is a believer. Matter of fact, a lot of people say this is Paul the Apostle's biography. He's telling on himself. I don't know about that. It might just be written in the first person. But then was it, a believer can do things he don't, he don't understand. He'll do things he don't want to do and won't do the things he wants to do. Everybody's like that. All right, verse 16. If I do what I wish not to do, I agree with the law. It's good. Then was, don't, don't argue with the law of God. Stealing is not good. Thou shalt not steal. Don't argue with the law. It's good. Verse 17, but now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What did that say right there? Something comes out of me that is not good fruit. That is not me. What does it say? It is not me. It's not I who did it. I see something else inside of me. Something called sin is in there. Verse 18, I know that is in me and my flesh. Nothing good dwells. The will is present, but how to do it, I'm not finding it. I want, listen, if you're born again, you want to be like Jesus. Any born again person that doesn't want to be like Jesus is not born again. Because if the heart of Jesus comes in, it's natural. Listen, you say, well, look at you. You hate religion. Yeah. Yeah. That's more, I got born again. If Jesus is in there, you want to love people. There was the love of God is poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who came in there. If Jesus is on the inside, you want to help people in your heart. If Jesus is on the inside, you do not want to be a pain in the butt. I mean, I could use the theological word, but let's just, this is where we live. You don't want to hurt people. That's in your heart. It's in there. So, well, how come I do it? He's explaining it right here. Listen to the man. Listen to the man. All righty. Verse 19. The good I want to do, I do not do. The evil I don't want to do, I practice. If I do what I wish I wasn't doing, it's no longer I who do it, but sin dwells in me. I find then a power, a law. Evil is present with me, the one who wants to do good. So I got a new heart when Jesus came in this morning again, but there's something else down in here too, isn't there? It's called the old sin endemic nature in my being. And that sucker rears his head up once in a while. I mean, if you'd agree with Galatians chapter 5, the flesh wars against the spirit. And the spirit inside of me wars against the flesh. These two bang against one another. There's a battle inside of there. Every believer goes through this battle on the inside. All right, verse 21. Right, we've done that. Verse 22. I delight in the law of God according to the inner man. I want you to memorize that verse and I want you to believe it. Tell me what my inner man is. Three things in the Bible mean the same thing. Inner man, heart, spirit. I have a heart inside of me. It's also known as my spirit. Lower S, big S, capital S is the Spirit of God. I have a spirit inside of me. It's also called my inner man. Tell me what that Bible said right there. My heart delights in God's ways. I want to be like Jesus. I want to love people. I want to be patient with people. I want to be kind to people. I want to serve people. I love that kind of stuff in my where? In my inner man, but not in my flesh. My flesh wants to be lazy, self-centered, aggravating, contentious, argumentative, But my inner man loves God and delights in the law of God in my inner man. My heart's in there. That's the way my heart is, verse 22. But I see another law warring against the law of my mind, bringing into bondage to the law of sin, which is in my members. Now, let me prove to you. Here's how you know you're born again. What's the proof you're born again? It's in verse 23. I am miserable. I am, verse 24, I'm sorry. O wretched man that I am, I am miserable. A believer that's got a new heart that has is, that is let sin get hold of his life and bring him into bondage is miserable. Yep. When I meet a, quote, Christian and they're mean as hell or they're living in pure evil sin and it doesn't bother them one bit, they're as lost as a ball in high weeds. There's nothing inside of their bothering them. The way you know you're a believer is when you speak ugly to somebody, something down here bothers you. And you keep on long enough, guess what? Make you miserable. 
I've said to men before, quit being such a jerk about this thing and go home and tell her you're sorry. I said, you can be right, but you can be miserable forever. Do you want relief or do you want to be right? Which one do you want, Bubba? That's God speaking to you, making you miserable. Go get drunk so it don't bother you for a while, but it'll be back tomorrow. The one's, oh, wretched man that I am means I am miserable as long as sin rules in my life. Guess why? I got the heart of God inside of here. And he does not like being a prisoner. Um, now, dear ones, if you'll let me watch your heart, I can tell you whether it's born again or not. All right. Say, Brother Brian, you've got to go somewhere, man. So, okay, let, well, anyway, you say it. Where are we going? You say, we're going to the ballet. We're going to go to the ballet, and it's an all-day ballet. And we're going to sit there, and we're going to watch that ballet all day, and you're going to watch, watch a bunch of skinny men jump around their underwear all day long. And I commit to it, and if I say, I'll go, I'll go. And then I find out there's a bass fishing tournament at the lake near my house. But I've already said I'll go to that ballet. And a man of my word, I've got to do what I say. Don't you know I'll enjoy that ballet? I can sit there, but I, oh, wretched man that I am. I mean, my, my fanny's in the ballet, but my heart is on Jordan Lake. Are you with me? You say, why is that? It's not that I'm not a friend. I have a bass fisherman's heart. I'm sorry. Take it to the ballet. Put it in a tuxedo. I don't care. I had to go to this fancy thing one night. It wasn't a dress up. You had to have a tuxedo to get in the door. So I go to this fancy thing. It's at the Grand Dover over in Greensboro. And I had to speak at it. And tuxedo's required. I said, you're going to pay for it if I wear it. Tuxedo required. I was as out of place as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. I mean, I knew what to do. I could do it, but I thought, get me back to my blue jeans where men burp and somebody's got some sense. Take me back the heart. If, if the heart is not taken care of, you're going to be miserable. All right, feed your flesh. Give your stinking flesh what it asks for. You'll get a little buzz, but your heart's going to be miserable if you're born again. Do what your heart wants and your flesh will scream like a child. Tell it to shut up and get over it. Mm-hmm. You don't know him nothing. Right. We live out of our hearts. Good. You got a born again heart. So here's the question. Brother Brian, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to behave. We're in trouble. Let's read it. Verse 24. Miserable man that I am. Watch this. Here's how religion says it. What? What can deliver me from acting like an idiot? If you're asking what, you're in trouble. I told you, I think I've told you all about going to the men's conference where they talk about men struggling with lust and they had all these ideas, dumb ideas. One of them was to get a big, thick rubber band and when you lust, just pop it. And <laughs> the problem's not in your wrist. You're going to lust with a sore wrist. You're going to chase her with a hurting wrist. Keep it there, it don't matter. You can't fix your heart by messing with your wrist. Cold showers just make your lips blue. It's not in your lips, it's in your heart. So I'm trying not to say something ugly. It's not in your lips. Listen to me. Oh, who, the answer is not what can I do to behave better. What's the answer? What does it say? I'm miserable. Who? Who can help me? We have got to start looking to Jesus and quit looking to ourselves. Come on. That's why you can... My poor little... I got many folks that go here that went to Christian schools, not like Grace, went to Christian schools. They hated it. Because they tried to make them behave by threatening them and putting rules on them. Dear ones, that's the, it don't work. It don't work. Why do you think preachers getting caught in these hotel rooms of women they're not married to? It's not dementia. They're not confused. They know who they're married to. Listen to this. You're talking about something crazy. You can fuss at your kids all you want to. You can holler at people all you want to. You're just making them want to sin more. The law cannot deliver. The Bible says the law actually stirs the passion of sin. You lay down the law, people won't live better. They'll they'll be in trouble. Listen to that. The law stirs the passion of sin. You want to experiment? I think I told you this experiment. You take a three-year-old, four-year-old, make him four, make him mature. Put him at the counter. Put the cookie jar right in front. Take the lid off and tell him, do not touch them cookies. I'm going to that back room. Don't you touch them. (laughs) Them cookies didn't mean nothing to him until you laid the law down. You just made him eat them cookies by preaching to him. He'll do it. He'll try not to to start with, but he'll finally give in. And if he's a fundamentalist, long-running fundamentalist, he'll wait five minutes, but he's going in that jar. <laughs> you ever run off the road and you look in the mirror of your mirror and see a highway patrolman? They don't reward you for doing good. The law puts pressure on people and they screw up. That's not freedom, that's pressure. Who can deliver me? 
What's one of the greatest promises in the Bible? Now remember, you see that where chapter 8 starts, remember, we didn't have chapters in the Bible for the first 1,500 years. Don't stop reading this because the chapter breaks. Verse 8, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ who do not walk according to their own strength, but according to the Holy Ghost. When Christians are beat up, it's because they're relying on their own ability. Here's these great words, the power of the Spirit of life. Verse 2, in Christ Jesus has made me free from the power of sin in my being. Amen. Only the Holy Spirit of God can set you free from junk. That's right. And the harder you try without Him, the bigger a mess you'll make. It won't work like that. That's why the answer to everything is Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit of God. It's the, listen to this again in Galatians 5, it's amplified. Walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You will not be hateful to people if you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit before you see them. The answer is not to remember not to cuss. It's to meet God every morning. The answer is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The answer is to, is to live it the same way you got saved. You need to get a new heart and be born again and then let the Spirit of God change life on the inside. Now this Romans 7 explains why Christians struggle. It's because you still don't know, I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. I got a new heart and good stuff comes out of it. Right, I'm riding down the road one day and this awful thought came into my mind. Just crazy. We have got to start believing that the powers of hell can get into our heads. We've got to quit saying it and start believing it. This thought came into my mind and for just a half a second, maybe a quarter second, I thought, beggars. Then I thought, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I smell a rat in a truck. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. I've got a new heart inside of me. This tree bears good fruit. That crap didn't come off this tree. That's an outside something right there. I can't see you, but I know you in here, you ugly thing. If you receive that crap, the enemy will put junk in your head and then come right under this here and say, what kind of Christian are you thinking like that? And you fall for it because you don't know that you've been born again. You got a new heart. You're a new creation. And that junk didn't come off your tree. It didn't come out of your heart. A good heart... A good heart can only produce what? Luke 6, good treasure. Yep. When the ideas come into my mind, go over and help them. Mm. Encourage her. Bless those folks. I may even know that ain't the devil in hell talking to you right there. <laughs> that is my heart. That's the Spirit of God inside of me. Right. Kick their butts. That ain't Jesus. <laughs> Listen, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Figure out who's in there doing that to you. What a new nature. I, I got to quit. <clears throat> with Jesus, it's all about faith. Quit trying to polish these pigs up and find you a heart surgeon. Listen, the gift of a new heart is God's greatest gift to you. You got a new heart. Now I want you to do this with me. Y'all believe in confession? Uh, let me tell you why confession. People say, I don't do that confession mess. Well, who came up with this confession mess? You, one more verse. Okay, one more verse. We got time. Mark chapter 11. Turn with me. There was, you need to start believing Jesus and you need to start saying what you believe. Right. Come on. There was, it's not enough to believe. You've got to say it. Listen to this. Here's how you get born again. Romans chapter 10. With the heart man believes. With the heart man believes and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I've got to believe it. I've got to say it. Yep. Now listen. Quit talking about how bad you are and all this garbage. Listen to me. Let your lips line up with God's Word. Say what He says. Anybody ever heard of faith? Is it a big deal? I mean, it's just the, you either going to heaven or hell based on faith. Mark 11, 21, 22 says this. Jesus said, have faith in God. Let's start doing it. Let's start. You know what it means? Start believing what God's Word says. Have faith in God. Watch this. Whoever says to this mountain, I surely I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done, he will have what he believes? No, says. What are the two things you have to have in that verse? What are the two things you have to do to see something powerfully changed? What are they? You have to believe and you have to. You've got to start saying it. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. I have a new heart. I bear good fruit. Now, by the way, he's not talking about Mount Mitchell. 
He's not talking about a physical mountain. What's he talking about? What does a mountain always represent in the Bible? That which stands in your way. That all, all through the Old Testament, mountains block their progress. Yep. So when that brother Brown, I just, you know, temper my family. I just, I've got this temper and this temper had been in my family and I inherited it. You keep thinking that mess. Mm. Let, let me tell you something. You got a new dad. You got a new family lineage. And you need to say, I am born again. The patience of God is inside of me. That old man is dead. And you need to say it. You say, well, I said it once. It didn't work. Say it twice. Say it twice. I mean, we have got to start lining our lips up with God's word. That I am a new creature. I want you to do something. Quit beating yourself up. Quit trying to be a better Christian. And praise God that you are a new creature in Christ Jesus with a new heart. And I bear good fruit and believe it, and say what he's got to say. I am a child of the living God. All right, here's the deal. One of these days, we're going to stand in front of Jesus. Don't know that. Have I mentioned that before? Yeah. One day, we're going to stand at heaven's door, and he's going to say, tell me why I should let you into my house. Did you know there's an entrance exam? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. People say, well, you wake up in heaven. I'll go back and read it again. There is an entrance exam to get in. You have to know the password, mm -hmm. and the password ain't the Pope. It ain't Lamb's Chapel. <laughs> and it's like, it's like if a guy came to my door and he said, uh, I want to move in your house. And I'd say, that ain't happening, Bubba. He said, I'm a nice guy. I said, I don't give a rip. You ain't moving in my house. I, I've been good. I don't care who you are. You ain't coming in here. So we let that little boy live in there. He's my son. He's my son. He's going to live here. I don't know you from Adam's house getting. I don't care if you're a preacher. You ain't coming in here. Dear ones, what's the password into heaven? I've been good. Oh, they're going to put you on the other elevator and that's going to say going down. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus is the password into heaven. I trusted Jesus. You say, well, you, you think that's enough? That's it. There is no name given under heaven by which we must be saved except the name Jesus Christ. And when you get to heaven and you need to say, he says, why, are you, why should I let you in? Just tell him. I put faith in your son. If I don't get me in, ain't nothing going to get me in. Guess what's going to happen? Heaven's door is going to swing open wide. And he's going to say, come on in. You, and somebody's going to be standing there saying, you let them in, and that's all they did. Somebody should write a song called Amazing Grace. Come on. I'm telling you, the name of Jesus is the name above every name, and there is power in that name over all this junk. I want you to start believing it. How many of you glad you got a new heart? How many of you, right, let, let me ask you again, how many of you are righteous people? I mean, you, you could be the third member of the Righteous Brothers. I mean, you could be in the Righteous Brothers band because you're a righteous person right now. Lord Jesus, I want to praise you and thank you that why we have made something so simple as a new heart so complicated, I do not understand. But I praise you that the Word of God, you said it's like a hammer that breaks the rock. It's like a fire that burns away the chaff. But the greatest, your Word said it's like a sword that cuts right to the heart of the issue. The Word of God is alive, it's powerful, it's like a sword piercing between the heart, the soul, and the spirit. And I want to thank you and praise you that Jesus saves. Lord, we put out so much effort trying to learn these methods and going to these seminars. Everything we're looking for is at the feet of Jesus in the new heart. I pray for everybody in here tonight, if there's something stirring inside of them on the inside, and then they can't say, I know that I know that I know, man, I'm... I got this, what is this right here in my chest? I got this witness. I know I'm born again. Lord Jesus, speak to them and say, where's the witness? You, you don't need better behavior. You need a new heart. And well, we're just going to stop right now, Lord, and give people a chance to call on you. Humbly, simply like a child. I pray throughout this room that people will just call on the name of the Lord. Right now and plead and pray for salvation. Just a new heart. Friend, if you've been listening to me tonight and you say, I don't think I've got that, settle it. Settle it right now. Call on the name of the Lord. Open your heart to Him. He's in here. Call on the name of the Lord. Let's do it right now. Just come like a child. Come humbly. And repent of your sin and turn to Jesus and say, I need a new heart. I need Jesus on the inside. I need your spirit. Pray this with me at child level. Dear Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you're real. I believe you died on a cross to help me. And I believe you're alive today. I humble myself. I open my heart to you right now. 
I confess my sins. Forgive me, Jesus. Forgive me. I don't want to do that anymore. Come into my heart. I believe you right now, Lord Jesus, for a new heart. I believe you to change my heart and change me from the inside out. I believe you to move in, Jesus. I receive you tonight as my Savior, my Lord, my dearest friend, the lover of my soul. Come in, Lord Jesus, right now. Thank you for hearing my simple prayer. Thank you for your promise that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Thank you for what you've done for me. I could have never done this for myself. I give you all the praise and glory. Dear Jesus, teach me how to walk with you. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Lord Jesus, I want to praise you and thank you for making it so simple a child can understand, but so beautiful a scholar misses it sometimes. Thank you for the simple, just the mercy and the kindness of God that you would reach down to sinful men and say, whoever, come to me. I praise you and thank you for the love of God. We give you all the praise and glory. And now, Father, I pray for every person in this room. I pray a spirit of faith to believe what God says about me is true. No more lies. Truth. I'm a new creature. I'm in Christ. I've got a new heart. Old stuff has gone out of my heart. The new has come. I give you the praise and glory for that. We bless you because of your kindness. Can't wait to see you face to face. Precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen.